Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Natalie Supes, who is diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2007 and after a 12-year flare is finally in remission. You'll recognize her as at for the health on Instagram and she is a certified personal trainer and sports nutritionist who is passionate about helping women, especially those whose bodies are not functioning, become the healthiest versions of themselves. She's here today to share her story with IBD and why it's so important to take care of your body and do your best to nourish and move it in a way that helps you heal. Thank you so much for joining me today, Natalie, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing awesome things, so thank you for being here. So before we jump into how you finally achieved remission and how you're helping other women now, why don't you start by telling us your Crohn's story? Yeah, it's a long story, but I would say um, in around 2006, I was in high school and I was starting to go to the bathroom more often. Um, I was your typical teenager, so I would maybe go to a house party or something on the weekend and I would notice after that that I would get really sick. But it wasn't something I really wanted to talk to about, uh, talk to anyone about. Um, it was just kind of embarrassing, so I left it. As time progressed, it started becoming more and more often, more and more urgent. I was in the bathroom, you know, three times during a class in high school. And then I started seeing blood in the toilet. And that's kind of when I got really scared and Mm -hmm. realized that I had to tell someone and just taking Tums and thinking it was a flu that was lasting really long wasn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I told my parents and my mom pretty much freaked out um, in a good way. And my dad actually had an acquaintance at the time who was a GI. So he called him up and got me in for an appointment the next day. And I then the GI was concerned. So he set up a colonoscopy for three days later, which in Canada is very unheard of. We have to wait pretty long for those. Um, so Back then, a colonoscopy prep took three days. I don't know why, but (laughs) it feels like maybe that's just my memory because it was really traumatic. But (laughs) prep is awful. (laughs) Yeah, I remember it being really awful and not eating for what felt like three days. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went in for a colonoscopy and uh, I was... I've never heard of a chronic illness before. I had no idea that you could be sick for the rest of your life. I thought, you know, either you're healthy or you get cancer and you pass away from your illness. So that's kind of what was in my head. Mm -hmm. And so I'm laying in the bed after the colonoscopy and I, all I could think about was eating because Mm -hmm. I was so hungry. Um, And I didn't even, it didn't really cross my mind that whatever this was could be a lifelong thing. Um, And how old were you? You said you were a teenager. Yeah, so I was 17 turning 18 in a few weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so my mom was sitting beside me and the doctor walks by and she just says, so do you know, like, did you see anything? And he's like, yeah, she has ulcerative colitis and walks away. Oh, wow. Um, and so he's like, yeah, make an appointment. And he, we made an appointment. And in the appointment, he told me it's a chronic illness and explained what that was and that he had no idea why it happened or what causes it or how to stop it. And I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. Oh, and nutrition won't help anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's that's kind of where my story started. And then I was really sick for from then on until uh, 2018, January. I was in a 12-year extreme severe in and out of the hospital flare. And you were, they put you on a couple of different medications you've tried. Tell me a little bit about what your journey was like since then from being hospitalized and trying medications and finally figuring out that there's more that you could do for this. Yeah. So I was on every medication pretty much other than Remicade because I said no at that point, but, you know, started with the Pintessa and then just went on from there. Steroids, Asacol for a really long time, Imuran. Those were the two that I was on for the longest. Um, Every time I would go to the hospital, they would either try to talk me into surgery or biologic medications. But something in the back of my mind just kept saying, don't do it. And mm-hmm. uh, one, of, one of the hospital trips, I was really, really doped up on pain medication. My pain was really bad. And apparently, I had a full meeting with a surgeon about doing surgery. And I agreed to it. And I was going to meet with him and have an appointment when I got to the hospital. And I had no recollection of it at all. So I actually never ended up going to that appointment. Wow. <laughs> surgery, unless it was absolutely needed life or death. I really wanted to avoid it if I could with the doctor's permission. And at that point I still could. So, um, pretty much from when I got diagnosed, maybe a year later up until 2017, when I was in the hospital, they tried to do surgery or push biologic medications. Um, in 2017, when I ended up in the hospital with a perforated bowel, they pretty much gave me no other choice. It was biologic medications or you're going to have to have surgery. You need to try something. It's gone too bad. So I went on Humira. And do you know what caused the perforated bowel? How something like that comes about and maybe what the symptoms are? No, I don't know what caused it other than probably extended inflammation and extended, Mm -hmm. you know, infection in my stomach and in my intestines. It was 12 years that my disease wasn't under control. So, you know, 20, 30 bathroom trips, hemorrhoids for over a year or more, um, extreme pain to the point where my husband would have to carry me to the bathroom. I had erythmonidosa for a long time where I couldn't walk because of it. So I'm assuming it's because I was just in Mm -hmm. an inflamed for so long. Yeah. And then how did you turn it all around? Because it sounds like the surgery was in 2017. And then I think, or I didn't have surgery. Oh, you didn't? Oh, no. So what did they do for the perforated bowel? How do they heal that? They put me on a bunch of antibiotics and I was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, And I guess it was on itself. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So then after that, there was kind of this new journey because you mm-hmm. you did Humera, is that correct? And then yeah. you and then you were able to turn everything around. So how did you turn this around and get to this place where you're doing really good right now? 
Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because it took me gaining a bunch of weight and I'll get to that, but it took almost, I would say not the right reasons for me to turn it around, but I'm glad it happened the way it did and it happened. But so mm-hmm. when I got put on the Humira, um, I, I was actually kind of excited and I thought, oh, I'm going to get better and this is awesome. And it was a good time in my life. We bought a new house and things were looking good. So other than I'm terrified of needles or shots or anything, I was excited kind of at this point to try a new medication and Humira worked sort of. I mean, it was my flare wasn't as extreme. I was still in a flare. I was still having troubles um, with the bathroom. I still couldn't go very far, but it was better than it was before the hospital, except I gained re- weight really quickly. So I always forget exactly the amounts, but within the first two months, it was at least 20 pounds, um, maybe even up to 40 pounds. Uh, then I kept going back for back and forth to the doctor. So that's why my timeline's a little mixed up. But within mm-hmm. six months, I had gained 70 pounds. Wow. And that's probably with at least five or six doctor trips. He sent me to an... an um, endocrinologist I think yeah and that doctor told me to take medication that's going to make me throw up because I was eating too much but at home I was actually had fitness coaches I was on extreme diets where I was counting my macros I knew exactly what I was eating I was training six days a week because prior to the hospital I was very into fitness and I was Mm -hmm. I would go to the gym all the time and I just loved it it was more for myself I wasn't a personal trainer at that time But so when I started gaining the weight, I was in the gym all the time. I was eating better than I had ever eaten before, but I continued to gain really quickly, three, four, five pounds a week. And my doctor didn't believe me until eventually after pestering him for months and months. And I had found a study on the internet that said that TNF blockers do cause weight gain for about 13% of people. And it was in Mm. medical people. And interestingly enough, when I came to the doctor appointment with that piece of information, as well as a few others that I had found, he had found the same thing uh, through some of his coworkers or other, other doctors in the field. So at that point, he said he was okay to switch me because the weight was coming on so quickly that it was affecting my health, not just, you know, vanity reasons. Mm-hmm. It was no longer, I felt uncomfortable. It was all this weight I'm gaining around my midsection. It's no longer healthy. So he put me on Stellara and I gained 20 pounds in that month. And so that was terrifying. And I thought I was going to get better, but it got worse. And so in that month, I kind of lost it in the sense that I lost all trust in not my doctor because my doctor was a great doctor and I'm actually really blessed for him. He was looking into what was going on. He didn't know himself because Humira doesn't list this as something that happens as a side effect. At least it didn't when I was going through it. And, but I kind of just lost hope in, in Western medicine or in whatever was happening. I was hoping for remission, but instead I gained 70 pounds and now I didn't know this body I was in and felt uncomfortable and felt miserable. And, you know, all the self-hate that comes with a woman gaining that much weight. Um, so I took my kind of pain into my passion and I started researching like crazy. And I came across a book called Fat for Fuel by Dr. Mercola. 
and decided to go keto. Um, and I always call it for the health keto because it's not the keto that's fad diet right now to lose weight. I didn't eat bacon wrapped cheese strings, deep fried. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I did eat bacon, but it was, you know, nitrate free bacon and whole foods and eggs and vegetables. And my husband has a huge garden and so does my mom. So I would eat homegrown vegetables and steaks that were hormone free and grass fed grass finished. So I went very clean. I cut out sugar 100%. I tested my blood sugar um, and ketone levels every morning. I, I felt like I was my own doctor. And in a month and a half of that, I was in full remission. Which, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do anything else along with the diet? Or was it just purely the diet was the main focus? And it, it turned around? The diet was definitely the main focus. I also supplemented and did research on what people with Crohn's usually lack in. So I supplemented with potassium, magnesium, omega-3s, uh, vitamin D. I'm just trying to think. I'm thinking mm -hmm. of my my vitamin cabinet. But yeah, those mm -hmm. were kind of the ones. And I did a little bit of intermittent fasting. So I didn't eat up until around 12. Some um fasts where I would actually when I started the diet I started with a 24 hour fast and then if I felt my stomach was acting up a little bit in between when I was already in remission I would sometimes do a 24 hour up to 78 hour fast as well and now as you were doing this did you talk with your doctor you said he's been pretty supportive and has been a great doctor to have did you talk it over with him tell him what you were doing or did you just kind of jump right in and go ahead and try so absolutely. I always say that Western medicine doesn't have to be exclusive to holistic and, you know, natural medicine. And so I definitely did tell him he was aware that I was coming off the Stelera. That was his choice because I had gained so much so quickly. He did want me back on azathioprine and Imuran. That's just the one little part where I didn't listen. I just wanted mm -hmm. to give myself a chance. Um, I just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just was on those two medications for so long. I thought, how are they going to help? So that is just the one tiny part I didn't mention to him at the beginning because he definitely knows now. <laughs> um, but he was aware about the keto. I'm not going to say he was really supportive or not supportive about it. It was kind of like, oh, okay, that's, good. that's working for you type thing. And then when I would ask him, what do I do or what should, like, I'm in remission now, but I'm scared. He would just say, continue what you're doing. Obviously, it's working. So Yeah. And yeah. what about the fasting? Did you talk uh, with him about that? Was he concerned that you started the fasting while you're in a flare? Because some people think that that might be an extra stress on the body. But as those of us with Crohn's know, sometimes you just don't want to eat anyways. <laughs> no, that's nothing. I never talked to him about that. Mm -hmm. Um I started with a 24 hour fast, which I think with Crohn's, you know, sometimes we do on our yeah. own anyways, we're so, in so much pain. And, and the way I see it is we're actually letting our body heal a little bit instead mm -hmm. of foods that are hurting and causing more issues. Well, that's great. That's been quite a story and pretty fast turnaround. Tell me more about foods. Did you ever find that, did you ever have any safe foods? Uh, when you were going through your flares and the 12 years and talk to me a little bit about how you ate then. And then if any, if anything is obviously you've cut a lot out now, but kind of if there are key things you stay away from. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, when I was telling you my story about uh, how I got diagnosed and I mentioned at the end, he said, nutrition doesn't matter. I kind of attribute that to my 12 year long flare. That one sentence, which I'm sure he repeated often throughout our doctor appointments, really set me up for not believing in holistic nutrition and not believing in, in eating well at all, really, for the disease. I was really blessed to have family who cooked well at home and they believed in try aloe juice and uh, try Chinese medicine and these different herbs. And, and because my GI told me nutrition doesn't do anything, I would get upset with them. Um, so for 12 years, I would say other than when I was trying to lose weight, I didn't attribute nutrition at all to my disease, which breaks my heart looking back because I mm -hmm. can see when I got really bad was usually around times that I was eating a lot of processed foods and energy drinks and things like that. And then it, it would always correlate to ending up in the hospital or, but I, I wouldn't put two and two together. So when I was really, really, really sick and just coming out of the hospital, my safe foods at the time were usually baby food. Um, and chicken soup, usually homemade chicken soup. And I would stick to those two. But um, looking back, I would definitely change that. And I wish that I heard a podcast like this, or I wish that Instagram was around to let me know that doctors, Western medicine don't get nutrition training. And it's not that they're bad. It's just mm -hmm. that they don't know that it does 100% correlate. And it's so interesting because the more that I talk with people who have Crohn's and colitis, it seems that they all have heard that very same sentiment. I know mm -hmm. I heard it too from my doctor that, because I would ask, I've always been big into fitness and nutrition. And so that was probably my first question was, can I eat something specific? Does my food matter? And it's like, nope, if it bothers you, don't eat it. There's nothing you can do for it. It doesn't matter. So I think a lot of us got that same advice. and. Fast forward to today, just like you're saying, it's having communities and easily accessible information, social media, we're finding that it really does matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's almost common sense. Our body is made out of what we eat, the nutrients mm -hmm. we eat, the minerals we eat. That is how our body functions. So to say that that doesn't matter just blows my mind. You did ask a question on what I stay away from now. Mm -hmm. um, sugar is a main one. I I think sugar, especially with my clients and myself, it's a really extreme inflammatory. So especially processed sugar, sugar, and then carbs, um, processed carbs, mostly. So I stay away from 99% of food that are processed when I can. And honestly, I think that's good advice for anybody, even without IBD. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. fitness Fitness has also been a huge part of your life. You said you always loved going to the gym, made you feel good. How did you balance that with being in a flare for so long? How would you find the balance between fitness and flares and being able to to go after that passion and, and hit the gym? I wish I knew. I wish I could just say I was really motivated, but I think the way I fell into it was trying to lose weight beginning to start off with. And then it became almost like a stress reliever for me. I was able to do something with my body that actually gave me results. So I was able to lift weights and gain muscle. And I actually had control over that where I didn't have control over the disease. 
I would have accidents in the gym and I would have to run, you know, mid set to go to the bathroom for a long time. And me and my husband would go to the gym a lot together and we would be doing squats or something together. And I would have to go to the bathroom for half an hour sometimes. And that was really hard, Mm -hmm. but it was worth it because I wasn't at home sitting in pain. And I do feel that it helped me maybe not be in as severe as a flare in times, depending on what I was eating. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any specific type of exercise that you found was better than others, like maybe weightlifting versus running or yoga or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, What I didn't mention in my story is in the time of the weight gain, I became a personal trainer because Mm -hmm. I was so lost in in what was happening to me and I wanted to help other people. And what I found is it's really important to avoid as much as you can uh, ab exercises when you are flaring. For example, not doing crunches or or leg raises when you are really flaring because already there's inflammation there and it's just gonna cause pain. Weightlifting was my godsend and it's an easy way to start, you know, doing some dumbbell raises or or anything like that. You're not really jumping around. You're standing in standing in place, and you can feel when you're bracing your core how the rest of your body feels. And if you have to run in the bathroom, you can, and it's not stopping a machine or anything like that. I would add some warm up where I would walk on the um, treadmill a bit and things like that. But I found that weightlifting was definitely the best thing for me, and I also really enjoyed boxing, yoga when I was flaring was torture. And I don't know if that's just me. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I feel like just all the stretching and stuff was was caused me a lot of pain. And I don't know if other people feel the same way, actually. But it it didn't work for me. So boxing and weightlifting were my favorite. That's awesome. And you've also you're quite an adrenaline junkie, too. I read on one of your posts. Have you (laughs) always been an adrenaline junkie? Did that play a part of your fitness? Yeah, I I don't know if I was when I was younger, but mm-hmm. I definitely grew up outside. I grew up in the woods. I loved going on boat rides and tubing on the back. So I guess I was. Um, as soon as I turned 18, I went skydiving and all of those things. And mm-hmm. I, that was another thing where I had control and my disease didn't stop me. I literally asked the guy I went skydiving with, like, has anyone shit their pants before? <laughs> but like, What did he say? <laughs> I think he said, I don't think so. And I was like, well, might be the first. <laughs> first for everything, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. How funny. Well, in a minute, I want to talk about, you mentioned that was the timing that you became a personal trainer when you were kind of getting into all the weightlifting and doing all that. So I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we do Mm -hmm. that, tell me a little bit more about what you've learned over the years of being in a constant flare. Are there any tips or tricks that you found during that time that really helped you get through maybe each day or just be able to make the flare not so bad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Looking back, the one thing that sticks out so much is how much stress really does matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just talking about this the other day, but mornings for Crohn's are always the worst. And my mornings were torture. They were 20 bathroom dashes in between trying to get ready for work. And I found that the more I would stress about being late somewhere or missing an event or not making it, it would get worse and worse. And then I would have accidents and be more stressed throughout the day. 
So finding ways throughout your day that you can be prepared for what the disease is going to put on your plate. A lot of the time we know that mornings are going to be worse. So prepare for that. Wake up an hour or two earlier than you need to and have a soft start to the morning and do something you like, read a book, journal, etc. Um, have practices throughout your day that bring you back to a positive day. In the middle of the day, if you're working a corporate job, you can get pretty stressed. So listen to a song you really like that hypes you up or go for a walk. Uh, finding things that, re- that you really enjoy, that you have control over, that your disease won't stop. I always say you can journal in the bathroom, you can meditate on the toilet. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we can do that if we don't let Crohn stop us, we can have a great normal life. We just have to not be the victim of the disease and be the victor. That's fantastic advice. I love that. So what is what do you think has been the biggest challenge that you have faced since being diagnosed with Crohn's? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I think honestly, the biggest one is the weight gain that I'm still dealing with because mm-hmm. being diagnosed with Crohn's didn't really change the course of my life. I still went to university. I still got my degree. I traveled the world. I backpacked. It was different. Yes, I did have an accident on a boat in Greece like, with a bunch of teenagers, um, not teenagers, but young adults, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop me from doing it. Maybe there were some more embarrassing moments. But what has been honestly the hardest is this weight gain because it's really messed with my my mind more than anything. I don't have control over it. I They can't figure out what's going on. And I, thankfully, I'm not thankfully, but I'm not mm-hmm. the only one struggling with it. And I know there's a lot of people who have been told they were crazy because they were gaining weight as well. So it, it's it's my mission to figure out what's going on and how to how to change it so I can help others, but it it definitely has been the hardest for me. Mm-hmm. And that mindset, that definitely plays a role in the coaching that you do now, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So t- tell me a little bit more about that um, because you call yourself the Crohn's coach and you, <laughs> you actually you specialize in helping women with Crohn's, kind of that niche right there. So tell me more about your journey from seeking that personal training certification to becoming the Crohn's coach and helping women with IBD? So when I became a personal trainer, it was for that reason, because I was gaining weight and I had no idea how to stop it on myself. And I wanted to help other women who just were suffering with weight gain in general and wanted to lose weight to be healthy. And so I did that and it was awesome. And I helped women lose weight But I found I wasn't very passionate about it because when, and I, this is just being 100% raw, but when a woman was complaining about not being able to lose weight or not going to the gym because they weren't motivated, in the back of my mind, it was like, but you don't understand how hard it can be. Like if you had (laughs) Crohn's, this would be the least of your worries. So I, that would come up a lot. And, and it was kind of a moment where I had an aha moment that I need to help women with Crohn's go to the gym and with Crohn's learn how to eat to, for their body. And so that's when I switched. Obviously, when I say Crohn's, I mean IBD because mm-hmm. I, I was ulcerative colitis at the beginning and the diagnosis switched to Crohn's. So I know both best of both worlds. And um, it sw- when I switched to Crohn's and I started working with women with Crohn's and in the first few weeks, they would see improvements and they would be less fatigued and they would 
understand what foods work for their body and they would understand what's causing them to go into a flare and they would say like I've never felt this good before my my whole soul lights up just thinking about those women and how their lives have changed so it kind of just spiraled from there like it's it's my greatest joy in life <laughs> mm -hmm. and you've developed um tell me how long ago that was and then tell me more about how you built upon that because now you've developed an entire the IBD Break Free Academy so Talk about both of those things a little bit. Sure, yeah. So the code, the personal training happened in the end of 2017 going into 2018, right about when I went off all medication. And it was only a month in maybe that I switched to Crohn's coaching. So I would say February to March of 2018. Exactly a year right now, pretty wow, much. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the name for the health came up because I feel like anything we do needs to be for our health. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and that's at a higher price point. So I go very deep with the person. I have weekly calls with them. I They have 24-7 access to me. I have an app where they train and their their program is put on the app with pictures and videos of exactly what they should be doing. And so I'm very, very invested in their life. So of course, the price point's a little bit higher. And I love it. And it and it lights my soul on fire. But I can only help five to maybe 10 women per month, right? Mm -hmm. And it was it was coming to the point where I would have some clients come to me and they would want to continue, but they they felt like they could go on their own because the investment was quite a bit. Or I would have younger girls come and they wouldn't be able to afford it because they were in university. And I 100% understand that. And I was just trying to rack my brain on what's a way that I can help more people while still making a living for myself, of course, and and investing in our community and helping everyone. So that's where IBD Break Free Academy came about. Um, I thought if I can do the one-on-one -on -one coaching in a larger scale, then I can still make it fit in my weekly program, my weekly um, schedule and help more women at a time. So that's what happened. And actually starting on Monday, mm -hmm. so when, which is April 1st for whoever's listening to the podcast later, I'm running free five-day coaching just to give back to the community um, because I know that a lot of the things about getting healthy and how to start is just that, how to start. And so I'm running that free five-day group coaching just to give a little bit of a push and a nudge on how to be healthy and give back to the community and kind of start that, that momentum. Mm -hmm. And I watched the video of announcing uh, you announcing the free five-day course. If anyone is watching after, because obviously this, it'll be after April 1st <laughs> when this yeah. is out, but uh, you mentioned in the video that people can DM you. Are, is, is that something we can offer to the yeah. audience here to go ahead and just DM you for that recap? Yeah, 100%. They can DM me. This is just for women because it's a closed Facebook group just for women, but they can DM me and I will let, give them the link to enter the group and they can go back and watch the lives or the group calls. Absolutely. Fantastic. So tell me more about the Break Free Academy. It's a six-week course. What are some of the topics that you cover in there with women? Yeah, absolutely. So this round, it's actually going to be eight weeks because I found it just takes a little bit longer to fully get into the rhythm of things. So this round that's starting May 1st is going to be eight weeks. 
actually, I just announced that for the first time here. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> so um, we cover, I always call them the three pillars of health, nutrition, mindset, and movement. So we go in depth. Um, the people who join get a full 50-page ebook um, mm-hmm. on how to change their diet, change their nutrition on exercises if you're in a flare where you can't move to if you're ready to go to the gym five days a week, programs written out. Um, And then we work really heavily on mindset and how to switch that victim mentality to victor. And then also, depending on the group of people, we go into what they're struggling with and what they need more focus on. So if food is something that they're really struggling with, then that might be what we focus more on in the group coaching. And every week we have a call where they tell us how or tell me how their week went, what they struggled with, what they need help with. And then they talk to each other as well throughout the week and support each other. And it's just, it's the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Wow. What a fantastic program. Thank you. Is there a deadline for people that want to sign up for that? Are you used to have a limited number of spots? I do have a limited number of spots. I haven't even launched the um, anything about where they can sign up or anything like that. That's going to be after the five free days that that will be out. So I'm sure when people are watching this, they can go to my Instagram and find how to join. The deadline will be April. If we have 30 days in April. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the deadline will be the day before May 1st. Perfect. Then what I'll do is I'll make sure to find that link once you do get it all set up and I'll be able to put it in the show notes and we should, I think, have the sign up by then. So I'll be sure to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. So in addition to the coaching, you've also become an IBD advocate. So tell me a little bit about what compelled you to begin sharing your own story. Honestly, I have this vision of standing on a stage with a bunch of GI doctors and just telling them that they're wrong. No, I'm kidding. But honestly, <laughs> but but truthfully, I, I really, really want to work with GI doctors and tell them that, yes, they have, they help us so much, but they need to be aware that their words matter. Their words keep us sick. If they tell us that food doesn't matter when we're first diagnosed, that's going to, that's going to sink in. And they need to know that food matters and they need to know that they should direct them to a nutritionist or a holistic nutritionist or a dietitian and and not have words on does nutrition matter. And if they do, they should 100% say yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's that passion of mine that has kind of led me to volunteering in my local Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and speaking about it and telling my story on podcasts and really just shouting to the rooftops that food matters. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) So as you've worked with more and more women and started becoming an advocate, has, has it shaped how you view Crohn's and colitis? I think so. I, even when I was not working with anyone with IBD and I was in my own flair, I never thought oh, I wish I didn't have this disease. And I know that's weird to say, but I always was under the mindset that when someone said, wow, you're so strong, how do you do this? I thought, well, this is this is my path in life. This is, I was, wasn't given this because for no reason, like I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I think starting working with women with IBD, it's just given me more power into that. And that 
yes, it sucks so bad that we were given this disease, but the women that have Crohn's, they're badass warriors. They're fighters. They're so strong and they can put their mind to anything and accomplish it. So it's really given me this cool insight onto maybe we're just like unicorns <laughs> and we're bad disease, but it doesn't mean we're not strong. It doesn't mean we don't have a purpose in life. It, it means the opposite. It means we should put our pain into our purpose. I love that. Put our pain into our purpose. And yeah. I've noticed that so many of the people I've talked to and interviewed, it's, it's like we just have pure grit running through our, in our blood. <laughs> right? It's, everyone's so determined to not let Crohn's stop them. And I think it's fantastic. Exactly. I think if I never got Crohn's, I might have just had a very boring life. <laughs> <laughs> and look at you now. <laughs> not boring. <laughs> so is, is there one thing that you wish people knew about the disease, but they don't? <sighs> There's a lot of things, but I think the number one thing is that even if we look like we don't want help or if we're standoffish or grumpy, that a lot of the times that's because of the disease and to not count us out. So what I mean is with my husband at the beginning when we started dating, I wouldn't let him around and I really wanted to deal with the disease on my own. And because he pushed me and he kind of opened me up, I was able to lean on him. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't have IBD, it's that if someone with Crohn's or someone with colitis is really grumpy and in a bad mood, don't count, don't discount the pain that they're going through because you have no idea how bad it can be. And a lot of the time we need you more in that moment than when we are nice and not grumpy. <laughs> that is a great thing to point out because it, it just made me think of all the times that I've sat through being social with friends because I wanted to go out and I wanted to be enjoying my life. But I would sit there mm -hmm. and I think probably with a scowl on my face because it felt like you know, I was being stabbed in the gut. And so I just yeah. kind of, I would sit there and I probably looked grumpy and I probably had a scowl. But even with that, I was still enjoying being around. So I think you just pointed out a really great thing for people to understand that even if we look grumpy, <laughs> still <laughs> keep, keep us around. We're actually enjoying it. <laughs> exactly, 100%. Well, you have, I believe, a, a few different social media channels that you are active on. So if people want to learn more about you, learn more about your coaching, or just keep up with your journey, where can they follow you online? Absolutely. So they could find me at For the Health on Instagram. There's a period between each word. So for period, the period health. They can also find me on YouTube. It is for the health, but it doesn't come up right away yet because it's a lower following. So you can search for the health Crohn's story and that will come up as well. And I do have a website that's www.forthehealth.ca. Perfect. I will put all of those in the show notes so that people can yeah, easily yeah. just click on them and, and find you. Thank you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you today that you wanted to share with our audience? Oh, you pretty much got it. That was a good interview. <laughs> awesome. I like to go through the gamut of all the topics we can. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I think the main thing is just that if you have IBD, if you have Crohn's, share your story because it's unique and you're going to help someone just by sharing it. 
I agree completely. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me today and sharing your story and all of the work that you are doing to help women and to raise awareness. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.